Kia ora, I'm Tom Kitchen, and today on The Detail, France has just appointed its youngest ever Prime Minister, 34-year-old Gabriel Attal. The youngest president in the history of the Republic has appointed the youngest Prime Minister in the history of the Republic. And in this, I see a sign of audacity and change, and also a symbol of confidence in youth. Add up their ages, and they're still younger than the current occupants of the White House, 81-year-old Joe Biden. Back home, our oldest MP is 78-year-old Winston Peters. You know, how at 78 you are the future of this country? What an ageist, arrogant statement. Our youngest, Hana Rafati Maipi Clark, she's just 21. Young Wahine, shining on the political stage. At 21 years old, I can definitely say this was not the plan. I was perfectly fine growing my kumara and learning maramataka, but this house kept tampering with things they shouldn't be touching. Does age matter? What life experiences have you had that will make you a good MP? Yeah, I've had the life experiences of a 26-year-old. Do young politicians bring something extra to the debating chamber? And what could they learn from their older colleagues? Marilyn Wearing, now Day Marilyn, was a young trailblazer, entering Parliament as a National Party MP aged 23 in 1975, International Women's Year. I was a member of the Women's Electoral Lobby. The Wellington branch had written to all the general directors of, as it were, then National Labour and Social Credit, asking why they didn't have more women candidates. And it was as if they'd got together over a cup of tea because they all replied saying, we'd love to have more women candidates, but they don't offer themselves for selection. So I thought it would be a little feminist activity to do that, you know, so at least you could take that argument away from them. And the very last safe seat for selection for the 1975 general election was going to be the Raglan electorate and both sides of my family had lived in that constituency for a number of generations so really I just threw my hat in. At 23 was there ever any doubt in your mind that you were too young? No it's a house of representatives my age group just weren't represented at all. Was there any pushback for anyone saying you might need a bit more life experience or Were you committed to doing that? Oh, no, I was frequently told I needed more life experience. Um, And I just as frequently responded that it was a house of representatives. And it might be nice to hear from other people occasionally. Chloe Swarbrick was also 23 when she entered Parliament. When I was elected uh, in 2017, or actually during the 2017 election, a lot of people were hitting me up and asking me uh, if I was the youngest since Marilyn. And I was like... I don't know, isn't that your job? <laughs> it's the same actually during the 2016 local body election. People were asking me if I was the youngest to ever run, and I was like, I, I don't know. That feels like something journalists should be digging into. I but, think you are. I've dug yeah. into it. I yeah. think oh, you cool, are the youngest cool, in cool. since, uh, um, since Marilyn. Yeah, so I then actually, um, given that we didn't teach New Zealand political histories in a particularly universal way in schools, didn't actually know who Marilyn was, so I reached out <laughs> to Marilyn, uh, and, yeah, we've had a really awesome relationship since. We'll get back to Chloe shortly, but let's hear from Marilyn about breaking new ground. It was and still is a very um, combative and rugged place to work. It was incredibly inhospitable 
for families and relationships even worse then than it is now. Of course, Muldoon was the Prime Minister, which cast a pall over the entire environment all the time. So it, it wasn't a kind of interesting or enticing place to look to work. And especially coming in at 23, uh, <laughs> that must have been uh, exaggerated a, a little bit. It was another world. For example, in the 1975 to 1978 cabinet, I think two-thirds of them were returned servicemen from the Second World War. Oh. So they lived on one planet and I lived on another. What strengths do you think you brought giving that different kind of worldview? One of the things I actually really loved about being young was that, you know, not being 65 and having made up my mind about everything there is to know in life, um, that I was really open. I was open to new knowledge. Um, I was open all the time to, to new stories. I found, for example, I've often said that um, having a constituency was a far better tertiary education than I received anywhere else I've ever studied. <laughs> why, why would that be? Oh, because of the incredibly complex, varied issues that came at you minute by minute by minute that had amazing differences. And to answer, you know, to find answers required real investigation and I mean investigation beyond the kind of formatted ministerial reply if you really wanted to work for your constituents it was about you know where were the hidden precedents um where was the the section in the law that was permissive all of those kinds of things that that you tried to find the holes in the way things had been done before being young, you were often just a voice in the wilderness. I remember George Gear, who I was very, very lucky because George mentored me all the way and was always just right there um, for me. And I remember him saying to me, Marilyn, you're just so far ahead of the rest of us. And I said, George, I'm just with the people. You're all behind. Down the track... Marilyn became Chloe Swarbrick's mentor. I think that we ran a good campaign and, yeah, I'm happy that people got engaged. As a 22-year-old student, she ran for Auckland Mayor, surprising everyone with her reach and coming in third. And yes, she often thought about her lack of experience. It's no secret that I am regularly like, what am I doing in politics? And am I the right person to do this or whatever else? As I think hopefully all politicians are frequently reflecting on. All of us, all human beings, have different perspectives and life, lives and lived experiences, things that we've been exposed to and not been exposed to. And I think the inherent value of younger perspectives, as with middle-aged and older perspectives, is that there is a different worldview or a different type of experience that one has been exposed to. And this was the really interesting argument that I came up time and again throughout particularly that 2016 uh, local body election, so I became pretty versed in it. 
most egregiously uh, represented by this uh, one woman who decided to troll me quite substantively throughout the campaign, telling me that, you know, my brain wasn't fully developed until oh, I was 25, so therefore, on. you know, I had to uh, wait until at least that point in time. And I still had access, actually, to the university library at that point in time and did some um, research and found, sure, your brain isn't fully developed till you're 25, but it starts actually degenerating from around 45 years old. The average age in our parliament at that point in time was 51, so as far as I was concerned, I was on the up. There you go. Um, but, yeah, it just, you know, like life experience is not, like, necessarily equivalent to wisdom. More days on earth does not necessarily immediately equate to more mystical juju that makes you more or less capable of making decisions. And that's not to denounce the value, obviously, that people who do have, you know, more years on earth, you know, bring into our institutions or otherwise. But it is to say that I think that we have to be really cautious of conflating those two things. Was there ever any pushback from people around you? Obviously, there was Mm. from the media. There was a lot of that and obviously other political candidates. Did anyone in your family or friends ever say, oh, look, you know, have a few more years and get a bit more experience under your belt? I I mean, not necessarily in that way. I, it's probably pretty evident based on what I was just saying around, like, the way that I was raised that uh, and I made a joke about it on, online the other day. It was my old man's birthday. I I have typically run my life in such a way where I'll ask my dad uh, his advice and then I'll typically do the opposite. But he's actually very encouraging. He's very encouraging. He's a good guy. And, you know, for my little sister, it was very much, oh, here's Chloe on her latest random thing that she's up to. Um, I... I didn't have a game plan when I was doing it. I just knew that I wanted to fight for something. And probably the most contemplative that I was in terms of, you know, diving in uh, to politics was after that 2016 local body election when I made the decision to run with the Greens in the 2017 general election because I uh, was in this very weird space where hadn't quite expected the platform that had come with that election campaign. And I was speaking to a lot of people around me because I'd had a few different people, uh, political parties approach me. And my good friend Caitlin uh, was like, just take a few weeks and actually do this intentionally. And, you know, what was funny about it is that, you know, the Greens, uh, based on our very robustly democratic internal processes, actually couldn't guarantee me a place or anything like that when I decided to um, throw my hat into the ring with that co-papa. But... Uh, it just made the most sense for me in terms of values alignment. And I thought, you know, it wasn't worth squandering the privilege of that platform that I'd somehow accumulated throughout that 2016 uh, campaign. Did you realise what you were in for? No idea. (laughs) Absolutely no idea. (laughs) And that uh, proves my point that uh, it's all made up. (laughs) (laughs) What's made up? All politics and, you know, these institutions. We take a lot of things for granted. And this is actually something that I said kind of in my maiden speech, uh, which I thought about a lot and actually was one of the pieces of advice that Marilyn gave me when I was first coming in. Um, She said something along, along the lines of just, like, write something down, whether it's a letter to yourself. And for me, it was my maiden speech so that, you know, when you feel uncertain in that environment and institution that is not made for you, that you have a kind of co-papa document or an intention document to go back to. And if your intentions have changed and you're comfortable with that, that's cool. Like write a new document or a new kind of set of guiding principles. But if it's changed and you're not comfortable with that, then it's probably time to leave. And in that uh, kind of guiding document in my maiden speech, I said, Mr. Speaker, if I can accomplish just one thing in my time here, If I can change just one thing, I want to change people's awareness of what politics really is. Because if we can change that, everything else can change.
because it's not the Shakespearean soliloquies that occur within the parliamentary chamber, but it is about power and it is about resources and it is about decisions that saturate and impact our daily lives, which often aren't questioned. Um, I never enjoyed my time at all. Um, Was I pleased I was an MP? It changed my life. It opened doors. I would never, for example, have been invited to be a fellow at Harvard if I hadn't been the youngest woman in the New Zealand Parliament. There were a whole range of, and and once I had that fellowship, then more doors opened. But I, I, it was dreadful. It was a dreadful, dreadful thing, dreadful way of living. How did you get through that? How did you make your way through your time as an MP? Well, the first thing was, yeah, my constituents got me through in the first place. They were incredibly loyal, incredibly supportive, incredibly proud, um, and they loved me, and I loved them. And the women's movement helped me as well. But at the same time, always sitting there right at the front of my mind was, you cannot fail, you cannot give up. If you fail or give up, it will crucify any young women candidates for decades to come. You have to stick it. And was that hard to say you that to yourself every day and motivate yourself yeah, like that? terrible. Mm. Yep, terrible. Mm. I, t- I talk about in Wellington when the alarm went, moving so fast so I couldn't think about it, so that I was outside in the tracksuit running before I could really think about what I was going to be doing to myself for this day and the next day. In Parliament, um, I lived with a lot of self-contempt for the games I had to play to get things done. So I found it very rugged. But Marilyn Waring did get things done. A founder of feminist economics, she's now an international consultant and emeritus professor at AUT. And she's incredibly proud of the new influx of young MPs. But my stomach churns for them. Why? Because usually the most unspeakable things that happen to you in that place are very hard to talk about. You have talked to them, haven't you? Uh, Not to Hana Rafiti, um, but yes, to Chloe frequently. Mm. And that's gone on for years. Ever since I've not been a member of parliament, women from Labour National New Zealand First and the Greens have all used me as, you know, the dear auntie they can talk to who will believe everything they say and tell them they're not going crazy. What kind of advice can you give them to to get through the challenges? I think there are some real key ones. The first is, uh, especially in the context of Parliament today, to get some help, you know, to to get a professional counsellor. I didn't, and I put that off for years and years. Uh, and I don't think that was healthy. I think one of the hardest things um, is to dig really deep and try to remember who you are. Um, A really key thing for me that really had the youth factor was that I used to look at the men in the caucus around me and think, well, you're not going to have to live with the repercussions of what you're doing for very long, I'm going to have to live with it for a lifetime. And I want to lie straight in bed every night. And my principles and my integrity are very, very important to me. So I started crossing the floor 
And in the finish, I crossed more than 100 times. And that doesn't actually make you terribly popular with your caucus. And mm. so the insidious nastiness just is regular. So as a young MP, what do you think you can bring to Parliament that other politicians can't? Uh, so I'm loath to uh, homogenise any group of people based on uh, one of their character traits. Sure enough. Uh, and I, one piece of advice that I always give to younger people when they ask me um, about getting involved in politics is like, firstly, why? <laughs> you know, there's so many different ways that you can go about bringing about change in our society that doesn't necessarily require you to take on the role of Member of Parliament. So I think we just need to acknowledge that first and foremost. Uh, but secondly, it's to realise that, uh, you know, if you don't look or sound like the way that we tend to assume those who operate within these institutions do, then unfortunately you need to also contend with the reality that you're going to have to work a little bit harder in order to be considered as valid or legitimate in the same way that those who are cons who are assumed to be the archetype of those institutions are. Mm. And we see this particularly pronounced with women of colour, for example. Mm. So one of the uh, kind of values of the perspective of younger people, and again, young people are not homogenous, but uh, it is that they have grown up in a world that is, uh, you know, very literally the recipient of decades of austerity-based politics. They know firsthand the reality of living in a climate change world and they're contending with, for example, questions uh, ethical or otherwise about having children and, you know, late-stage capitalism and all of these different, you know, and the gig economy and the housing crisis and... Those perspectives are inherently valuable inside of our ostensible House of Representatives, but you can't pretend that you're going to get all of that from just one person. Like, I'm a Pākehā kid from central Auckland. I'm not going to be able to represent the views of any Māori rangatahi or, you know, kids from the South Island. That's just implausible. And if we are solely to say that we tick the box of getting that representation by shoving one young person inside of our parliamentary institution, that's tokenism. That's not representation. So, yeah, I think that there is value in younger people's voices being represented in the same way that there's value in middle-aged and older voices being represented. But perhaps, and this is not to, you know, diminish or take away from middle-aged or older people in any way, shape or form, and I am aging out, I turned 30 this year, uh, but it is to say that the UN Youth Envoy, I believe, is 35, so I've got oh, some time. So good. Um, but it is to say that as a younger person, the life experience tends to be, and again, broad brushstroke, everyone's not homogenous and all of those caveats, but you are finding your feet in the world and figuring out your place and therefore your worldview may be more exploratory, more curious and more macro-minded in the sense that you're trying to answer these questions of what's fair and what's just and what you believe in and therefore potentially be more open-minded. And I think as you get older, again, broad brushstroke and all of those caveats, you may potentially be more inclined to become more micro in your worldview because you accumulate stuff and potentially that bears with it uh, the narrowing of the view of coming into kind of protecting that stuff as opposed to exploring and being curious and moving around and exploring it otherwise. So that open-mindedness, again, not necessarily an inherent trait of all young people in the same way that I can't diminish it for others, but that's potentially a strength that young people have. Okay. Well, broad brush strokes and all the caveats with mm. that, but I do want to ask that the challenges of coming in young and not having that life experience, mm. I mean, we talked about the disadvantages, advantages of life experience, but 
what would be the challenges coming in at you know 23 as you as you were it's funny, right? Because I get asked all the time what it, what it's like to be a young politician. I'm like, I don't know what it's like to be Winston Peters. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't have any experience other than my own. And I guess if I can reflect on uh, who and where I was at when I was 23, I was actually, um, my phone gave me some memories the other day of uh, that 2017 election. I was a baby. I was like, who let that kid into parliament? <laughs> uh, but I also, as much as I think that I've really changed and evolved and ironically probably become a lot more radical, which is the opposite of what I was told was going to happen, uh, I think that there was a lot of value that that young 23-year-old Chloe brought into the parliamentary space. And I'm a different person now than I was then. I have different life experiences now than I did then, different privilege and everything else. Um but yeah, the challenges that um, I was facing are, again, not all too dissimilar from anybody else who uh, holds that card of difference to the archetype, uh, which is that you just have to kind of work harder and there's almost an expectation in some ways that you are going to fail or screw up. And definitely in the social media environment, you feel as though, or I definitely felt, I don't want to project onto others, that there are some people kind of salivating at the notion that you might screw up and really waiting for it and that they'll mm. celebrate your fall and all of those kinds of things. You know, young people have a bit, like, they see the world in a different way. They have to see the world in a different way. It's their world for the next 60 or 70 years. And, you know, I'm I'm not a good, like at my age, I don't figure I'm a really good person to ask for advice at all. Um, you know, to to save my sanity, I engage in no social media at all and never mm. have. Mm. Um, so that puts me out of the loop immediately. And the world is in a critical space, you know. And, yeah, they need, I think parliaments need more and more young people, mm. you know, who try and... Well, often to try and stop the procrastination. Procrastination of the older members of parliament uh, oh, getting yeah, excuses yeah. for not doing you anything. Know. Well, you know, for taking the making the decisions that have to be made. What advice would you give to someone who might be listening, a, a young person who might have the desire to change the world and, and get into parliament so they can have a bit of a say? What would you say to them if they're thinking about that seriously? Okay, I'm very honest with them. I tell them that you cannot imagine how hard this will be. You cannot imagine it. Um, there is nothing that you will have done in your life that will prepare you for this. But if you've got passion and if you can't be easily bought and sold, you're the kind of representative I'd like to see there. Do you see yourself in Parliament next term? I don't know, man. <laughs> like, honest, I, 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 seriously, I, um, yeah, I've made no secret of the fact that I am consistently reflecting on it. I think that the calculus, just speaking totally openly, is very different now that I am an electorate politician um, versus, you know, being a list-based MP uh, because I have a responsibility to my constituency and obviously there's also kind of quite different uh, ways that things would play out were I to resign or, you know, Whatever happens. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen next week, let alone in three years. That's it for today. Our guests were Chloe Swarbrick and Dame Marilyn Waring. This episode of The Detail was engineered by Jeremy Veal. 
Our producer is Alexia Russell, and Davina Zimmer is our associate producer. And I'm Tom Kitchen. Thanks to RNZ and NZ On Air. Ma Kewa.